Creating effective boards. The seven hallmarks of effective boards. A lot has been said about the increasing challenges boards face, from governing an organization through the pandemic to disruptive technologies, shifting demographics, and geopolitical risks. Corporate failures have brought the importance of well-functioning and effective boards more to the fore. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. My name is Chris McColgan, Marketing Manager of Better Boards, and today I've taken over as host for a special episode of the series. I am delighted to talk with our founder and managing partner, Dr. Sabina Demkowski, about creating more effective boards, the seven hallmarks of effective boards. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast, Sabina. <laughs> it's, I have to laugh sitting on this side of the microphone. <laughs> yes, well, the, the series has so far featured guests such as Sir John Parker, Professor Amy Edmondson, and Andrew Alner, just to name a few. How does it feel to join such illustrious company as a guest of the, the podcast series you yourself created? Look, I can't thank enough to all our contributors. It's absolutely fantastic. And thank you to our loyal listeners, to the encouragement, the positive feedback we get. So I feel hugely honored. It's, it's been quite a journey. So thank you all. Thank all the contributors. Thank all the listeners. It's fantastic to have you. I've been glad to be part of the journey as well myself, but getting into the nitty gritty of it all, uh, you've been credited for having identified the seven hallmarks of effective boards. How did it all start? Look, I, I can still recall the day when I was sitting in a high-speed train in uh, Germany going from Frankfurt to Cologne. And I just completed a session, an onboarding session with a board member in Frankfurt. So I was a leadership advisor and I did a lot of work in terms of onboarding new board members. We did a lot of offsites for boards. And when these assignments started, the starting point was always, Sabine, by the way, we've done a board review or board evaluation and here's the report. Why don't you see what you get out of it to inform this current project? And behind closed doors, people were telling me what they were really thinking about these reports. And it wasn't always favorable, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, They either thought it's not actionable, it's not very useful for their real work in the boardroom. They thought it was box ticking, not really addressing all the issues. So the list went on and on. And then I thought, my goodness, is there a better way to do this? So what did you do in light of all these issues you faced? (laughs) You know, I've done something incredibly novel. I went to a library. That is a bold strategy. (laughs) Radical (laughs) suggestion. Uh, I locked myself up and remembered the good old times when I was a doctoral student and just spent days and days in the library collecting material from the Anglo-Saxon literature and the German-speaking literature about boards, board effectiveness, board performance, and I read it all. I enjoy doing research, so I immersed myself into this. For months and months, I was reading this stuff. And then, of course, when you read all this, after a while, you discover patterns. Of course, authors refer to the same issues. So basically, I teased out these issues and then conducted interviews with members of boards and with operating partners in private equity firms. And then we shaped up these variables that I identified And then we started to discuss what can we do with them? How can these academic insights become really practical and useful? 
So basically, then uh, we worked with, again, some academicians to translate these variables into questions. We piloted the questions and worked with uh, paper-based approaches and then had our first online tool. And now we are refining the online tool so that it becomes more and more of a digital product informing board evaluations and board consultancy. Okay, so would it be fair to say it's a, a theoretical framework for boards to think about board effectiveness? Yes, it is, but it is also more than that. Every hallmark is a lever a board member can pull to increase their impact in the boardroom and yeah, become better, even better in what they do, increase their effectiveness, make a greater contribution to the collective performance of the board have a bigger impact in the boardroom and um, advance their board career. And uh, why does the seven hallmarks matter for uh, board evaluations? Look, board evaluations have come a long way. I think what we see now in uh, 2021 is a lot more professional than it used to be. So I think we went through several waves. And initially it was interviews, just interview-based, people who have done this work, they had their questionnaires, they conducted interviews, wrote reports. And of course, board members can turn around and say, hey, this is quite subjective and can argue, hey, but what you write in your report is not what we are experiencing. And then came a wave where basically questionnaires emerged. And these questionnaires were quite often disregarded as box-ticking exercise. And I think we are now almost in the third wave of development of board reviews and board evaluations. So there's a lot of more know-how of what makes a board really effective and how you can really help board members to become better and up their game. And why does it matter? I think it matters to have a theoretical foundation so that what you do is objective and can be compared. Because... A typical issue I heard from the board members when doing the research was a lot of what I would call cop-out clauses. Mm -hmm. Ah, this report wasn't useful because the argument presented in the boardroom was, for example, based on a board observation. And so members can turn around very easily and say, wait a second, that was just a one-off. Just when you were in the room in this observation, that was different. Or, ah, you misunderstood this in the interview. So I think it's important to have something that is objective, that is validated. And by the way, it's properly peer-reviewed. It's properly peer-reviewed and published. It isn't just a claim uh, that I make up. (laughs) It does sound like it provides boards with a level of continuity in their evaluation process. But as an employee of Better Boards, as you well know, I live and breathe the seven hallmarks. But for our listeners' benefit... Can you give us a brief introduction to what the seven hallmarks actually are? So let me run quickly through the seven hallmarks, and then maybe we can zoom in on one or two. Sure. So it's ability to use the strengths of all members, composition of the board, clarity of roles and responsibilities, having a joint vision, ability to resolve conflicts in the boardroom, but also between the board and management, structure and organization of the work of the board, and regular reviews and reflection about the board. Okay. 
So is there any like first among equals among the hallmarks you'd like to focus on and on first? The research isn't as far as you can clearly say this makes the biggest difference. But mm-hmm. based on what we are seeing in our board evaluation, so one big thing is always the ability of board members to use the strengths of their members. So what is happening is people think they have certain strengths and their thinking about their own strengths is usually informed from the feedback by the feedback they received during their executive careers. In every career, there is a way that is particularly exciting, you know, when you quickly move forward and you get one reward or one promotion after the next. It's typically the period shortly before they get promoted onto an executive committee or a management board. So somehow, these are then the strengths people remember most. So when they come into the boardroom, they think that these are their strengths. But in fact, they are not. Yeah, because the context is very different. So it's very important that board members understand the strengths in the context of the boardroom. And what we see there is that the perception of what they think their strengths are and the strengths that are perceived by their board colleagues is quite often different. Okay. Is there any other issues that you think from the the remaining six hallmarks you think we should highlight in this podcast today? Oh, absolutely. I think we should zoom in a bit on the composition of the board. Okay. Um, Because this is... Again, an issue that has a huge impact on succession planning, recruiting, and development. And a lot is said, of course, about diversity in the boardroom. And we even talked about it in one of our podcasts. Diversity is so much more. It isn't just what the labels say. It's going beyond the labels. It's cognitive diversity. So what does good composition of a board really mean? It's about having the right mix of know-how areas and the right behavioral treats in the boardroom. Mm -hmm. So how can you test this? The mix of know-how areas you need in order to be successful in the current situation. And that is something that is very different. Very often people were recruited because of their industry expertise and because of their functional expertise. So when we do the board evaluation, a typical outcome in the last two years is always, but what we really need is transformation expertise, it's digital expertise, it's cyber expertise. So there is a big gap between what people were recruited for originally, how they advanced their career, and what currently is so crucial to gain a competitive advantage and really realize the uh, strategic objectives and the value creation plans. Okay. As you can see, I could talk for hours about this. <laughs> and you do, you do. <laughs> yeah. Another issue I would like to highlight, look, we have the tendency, of course, to like people who are like us. Mm-hmm. So we recruit people who are like us. It's a natural tendency. And it's very important that you have a mix of behaviors, of role behaviors around the board table. So you need people who bring creativity, people who are implementers, people who can orchestrate a board, 
people who listen carefully and challenge. And it could be done with very simple assessments. And what we are sadly seeing that in a lot of recruitment processes or in a lot of selection processes, this is not sufficiently integrated. So by gaining clarity of what the composition of the board really means for the board in the current context, and the current context is, of course, hugely specific, um, is incredibly valuable. Sticking with the theme of like the current situation, I don't think any podcast can really go without a mention of the current climate dominated by COVID-19. What impact has that had on the work of better boards? Look, I think we were quite lucky. We were in the middle of doing two board evaluations. Two board evaluations just kicked off literally days before the first lockdown was announced. And of course, we thought, what do we do now? And then we simply continued and uh, said, okay, let's move everything into the virtual world. Something which we would have never dared to do before. Of course, before covid We had physical meetings. We were flying all over the place in order to meet clients, conduct the interviews, work with them, be there for the feedback conversations. And now, well, I was really amazed how quickly people could adapt. So we conduct the interviews via Zoom. We do debriefings via Zoom. Look, I think everyone is at this stage really fed up. I think I haven't spoken to anyone. Yeah. who is delighted with the current situation. But I think we manage. What I'm hearing from board members, what's becoming more and more difficult, a board also lives from the bumping into each other, from the little conversations in the hallways, from the chats you have over some finger food. That is all missing at the moment. And just sitting in front of a camera at home, having board meetings... It's daunting. It is challenging. I think businesses manage, but let's not hide the fact it's, um, it feels stale to many people. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't give you the satisfaction of real experience. So let's pray and let's hope that we all get out of it as soon as possible. And for my final question of the day, Sabina, what should our listeners take away from this podcast? Don't see the seven hallmarks as just a theoretical foundation. Dive in, play around with it. There's something in it for everyone involved with sports. So take them, really embrace each one and think, what can I do just by reading every hallmark? But thinking about, okay, have we thought about that? What could we do better with regards to clarity of roles and responsibility? Do we really have a joint vision? Are we managing, resolving conflicts? So it's a practical tool. Every hallmark is a lever you can pull to be more impactful in the boardroom, make a greater contribution to the value creation process. And uh, I wish you to have fun. And at the end, just a quick run through these seven hallmarks. Ability to use the strengths of all members clarity of roles and responsibilities, having a joint vision, ability to resolve conflicts between the board and staff or or inside the boardroom, structure and organization of the work of the board, regular reviews and reflection about the work of the board, 
and what we discussed in a, in a bit more depth composition of the board. Dr. Sabina Demkowski, thank you very much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure and any comments, we are here for you. We are here for our listeners. Any questions you have, get in touch. I've been Chris McCulgan and you've been listening to the Better Boards podcast series. If you have a recommendation for a topic or a guest to feature on the show, please contact us at info at better-boards.com. And thank you very much for listening and goodbye.